Right, hello Jack. Hello Andy. How are you? Very well, very well. How are you? <laughs> very well. Yeah, I'm very well as well, actually. Yeah, that's a bit not very interesting, is What it? have you been up to? Well, me? You're going to ask yeah. me first. Yeah. Do you know what I've had? I went to see The Predator Ooh. at the cinema. Yeah. Good? No. <laughs> it was awful. But it was fun. It was sort of a fun mess. Right. It was as if um, some six-year-olds with a really violent imagination had made a film in that the story was completely wild and all over the place and incoherent. Uh, but there was a lot of entertaining action. An action special? Yeah, but I wouldn't recommend it to anyone unless you're a real diehard fan of that genre of film. Okay. Yeah, what about you? What have I, you been doing that's more interesting than me? Uh, quite a lot of things. We tidied the studio, <laughs> me and me and Sam, my housemate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was chaos before. It was... But here at Claremont Studios, we're now surrounded by empty space. Yeah, and the cupboards are actually full of things rather than just junk. Yeah. And... Um, I also went to see the most insane sound art performance thing at the Arnolfini. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah, it was pure bonkers. It was a a Japanese artist and two other British artists, and they all came together, set up this space and did some crazy things with, like, dripping water into bowls with, with, like, like sound microphones, and then those drips would, like, fire speakers which had things on them that would jangle and then would like light up lights that were back in the bowls Very of water inventive did, yeah. did you did you find this person's youtube channel or if they were online somewhere no what, i didn't what, what i didn't do my research I, I we'll put links remember. in the description yeah, that's a great idea but it's it's amazing by the sounds of what you told me at length the other day yeah great well anyway hello listener i hope you're well wherever and whenever you are listening to the show. I'm very pleased to say this week we are joined by Adam Blake, a performer, puppeteer, clown, fool, etc., etc., and uh, Dick Downey, all of those things, and also founder of uh, Pickwood Image Theatre. Adam and Dick, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Oh, look at that, in sync. Perfect. How are you doing, guys? You all right? Yeah, good, thank you. Good now? Yeah. Good n- yeah. now, now that we've started... Here, the event has begun. I want to, I want to know, where do we go to find out more about the Predator film? Oh, the, oh yes. Um, <laughs> That's uh, I Empire was... magazine. Okay, um, thanks. <laughs> yeah, or your local uh, Megaplex cinema, <laughs> uh, presumably. Um, well, hello, guys. So Adam and Dick are both performers uh, with Pickled Image, and we're going to talk a lot about Pickled Image and their latest show, Chorophobia, later in the show. Uh, but first of all, I'd like to start with a question for Adam. Uh for the benefit of the listener, they may know you now as a, as a performer and puppetry performer and clown and comedy and all those things, but you had a quite unusual route into that current field. And indeed, when you were younger, you had quite different plans. So what were you doing at university and how did you end up doing what you're doing now? Uh, well, I actually, um, when I went to uni, I went to Leeds Uni and I was, I was studying biochemistry with molecular biology right uh and i don't do that anymore no (laughs) i dropped out in the second year and sort of flapped about a bit and then i think i think i actually joined another i think i joined biology for a bit and dropped out of that and then for many years i just worked in horrible temping jobs uh mainly doing data entry which i think actually some of some of the bits in Colophobia is directly related to uh, some of my experience in mm. in that that highly highly skilled those, profession. Those life experiences. Yeah. But, but what, when did the inkling to perform come from? Then how did it how did it manifest itself early on? So well, I at, at school I did a bit. I did theatre studies at A level and uh, and biology and chemistry. And then, so I did, but I didn't touch on that until I was in Leeds for ages doing the doing the temp stuff. And then I, I sort of tried to get into theatre bits, but didn't quite, I didn't know how to. And then I moved to Bristol because I got bored. I think mainly because I wanted a girlfriend, actually. And, and, <laughs> and all, presumably all, all the women in Leeds. All the women in Leeds right. didn't want that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I, just, I, I remember feeling like I just wasn't sort of mean anybody or nothing. I was just like, "What am I doing?" So um, my friend 
Harry Humberstone, who does a lot of stuff at the wardrobe as well, um, he was moving to Bristol and it sounded fun, so I just decided to mix everything up and do that. And then in the second day of living in Bristol, I signed up to do um, walkabout at the Invisible Circus Carnival shows many years ago now. I think it was the second one of that incarnation that the Invisible Circus had done, and I was a, um, a charity mugger. They populated, I don't know, I'm sure some of the listeners can remember, <laughs> they had the... Um, uh, what's it called? The old fire station, and there's a huge venue, and they populated it with characters. And I was a, a charity mugger called Chad Lomax. Um, <laughs> so Chad Lomax lit the sort of fire of I yeah. might enjoy doing this for a living. Yeah, yeah. Like, for a long time, it was a way to go to festivals for free, doing right. fun, silly stuff, but not really being paid. Yeah. And then I made me and my I got a girlfriend <laughs> uh, who I'm now married to, and and everything. So thanks, Bristol. I, so met, her, I met her in York. Um, but um, but um, we were saving up to go travelling and I spent all that money on uh, clown workshops Ah, okay. instead. Okay. Well, we'll get into that in a second, but I feel like Dick has been very patient and, and yeah. I should probably ask him a question now. Endlessly patient. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, Dick, you started out, took a real gamble when you were very young, kind of just, just doing street theatre. Well, basically, I screwed up all of my exams and had no qualifications whatsoever, thinking I was cool at the time. Uh, on reflection, it wasn't very cool at all. And my, I was given an option to join the army by my parents, uh, and my brother, who was in the army, insisted that I didn't do it. Right. And uh, stayed in school just to get some qualifications, which I scraped through. And during that last few years at school, a friend of mine learned to juggle and... I learned to juggle really badly and then together we hitchhiked to France, four of us all together, and we discovered that we could get enough money to buy beer and cigarettes and half a baguette yeah. and a quarter of a camembert and mustard if we were lucky. And it just seemed much easier than working. Yeah. And yeah. then... But of course it was working because presumably you had to do a lot of bad juggling to earn enough money to do... A lot of terrible juggling. Of and things. basically it was more like begging with sort of, if you didn't give us some money, you might get clobbered with a club accidentally, right. not on purpose. And then, yeah, and from that I thought it was a really easy way of, to, to survive. And then we continued doing that for the whole summer and ended up living with a bunch of Native American Indians who were actually all French and German. And we moved into teepees and we just... Did that for a whole summer and thought this is what, what about really enjoyable. Why, why France? Why was that the place to go? If if you remember, there, there we were being going. We were heading towards a TP festival, right? Because we'd heard of some hippies in Wales. Because I grew up in Wales, who were heading that way. So we thought we'd join them, and uh, and we sort of set off hitchhiking. And then by the time we got to France, we met uh, a British bank robber who was heading back to the UK <laughs> to hand himself in. <laughs> And he sold us a uh, De 2CV Citroen car for 80 quid. <laughs> and, and Which then, presumably so we, was to be, later to be used in evidence. Yeah, and then we had <laughs> wheels so we could dr drive around in this little car. Right. And then we called ourselves the Crazy Chapeaus. And was that, was that yeah. a, a clowning movement? Because obviously you said to yourself your juggling skills weren't up to it. So did you want to be a great juggler, kind of acrobat, circus performer and fell into clowning... It was all too much hard work. I, juggling, yeah. juggling takes practice and yeah. I'm really lazy. Right. So I discovered it was easier to juggle badly and be silly yeah. and survive as opposed to somebody who is obsessive about it. I mean, we travelled with other people over the years who were really good jugglers, but yeah. it just seemed pointless. And were you aware at that stage that clowning was a thing? Uh, or was it a thing? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, we used to have... Uh, the circus on the television every Christmas and stuff like that. But the clowns you saw there were rather, you know, the same ones that are terrifying everybody these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I just like stuff like the young ones and things like that, which were more interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then we just decided just to be stupid. And then later on, down the line, I started putting on face paint and becoming more of a traditional yeah, clown. Yeah. And, yeah. Went so... Uh, Adam, you, well, uh, you, you did some clowning workshops. W what, what about that particular area of performance was it that attracted you? Uh, the first thing that I did in that area, there was a, there's a group 
called The Original Spinners that mm-hmm. um, I think are, are still based at Hamilton House, though that is obviously in jeopardy with the, the, with the latest stuff going on there. But, um, and it was a call out on uh, Theatre Bristol, the website, and that was to do a happening, like a, a, a fun experience, um, dressed as clowns um, dancing. Uh, and that was the first, and I think as part of that, and it was my friend, um, a friend of m- mine just uh, emailed it to me and said, this sounds like you'd like that. <laughs> um, so I went along, and as part of that, the development of, th- of that piece, um, there was a, like a mini clown workshop with um, a guy called uh, Wayne Clenendine, who I think is trained, <clears throat> um, teaches or has taught at uh, Circa Media. And I've seen a couple of shows as well. And the, it was just interesting. That was like the first like dip into the form of clowning, as it yeah. were. Uh, and then, so, so what were the things that, that you inspired you about it then? What, what, why did you continue to do it? You know, what, what was it that, that you tuned into? Hmm, that's a very good question. <laughs> that, uh, it, it, it's, it's stuff, like, one of the reasons why I was drawn to it, I think, is because it's linked to a lot of stuff that I sort of did in my, like, down the pub every, everyday stuff. is right. like being stupid and um, then people laugh. Uh and there was something about the um, that I remember that that mini workshop very well of like that connection with the audience um, and how important that is with with what you're doing uh, and the physicality of it. It sort of doesn't come from a thinky space at all. It doesn't come from because uh, I'm not very good at that. Uh, it comes from uh, a physical or. or uh, a very playful space mm. and I enjoyed that um, so it tapped into something that you kind of already had as part of your yeah as your, of your so did your behaviour on the pub start to be informed by kind of the training and the experiences that you were having did you become like more of a clown uh, socially I don't know I don't know uh, I don't know I don't think so like yeah. it, it, it's sort of a lot of I remember throughout those sort of workshops and stuff because part of it is also a bit of sort of stagecraft of like learning of course about yeah. you know space and using the space and all that stuff um uh so right so I think a lot of yeah I remember a lot in a lot of the workshops being there's a lot of sort of oh yeah that just sort <laughs> of makes sense yeah. of course that's yeah. what you're doing it's about yeah. why why does someone laugh if you set up a rhythm and then you break that little like simple things that we sort of all know because it's so it's so linked and I've got a I've got a, a 10 month old uh, baby son at the moment and it's exactly the same yeah, the first yeah. time that he laughed um, at me and, and Debbie my wife was doing exactly that we were doing something again and again and again and again and then we changed it slightly yeah, and yeah, yeah. laughed it's like so i suppose it's about it's recognizing what those patterns are and then actually developing some kind of discipline and and stagecraft and technique to kind of make the most out of those of those facts i guess we yeah. can always call them yeah totally well also and it's a funny thing and i always thought this with with, with clown and that sort of playful performances the second you think too much about the stagecraft and where you have to stand and the timing of that, then if you're thinking about it, then you're screwed. You're in trouble. You're yeah, in trouble yeah, because yeah. then the audience can see that. Yeah. You can see that you're thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Dick, question for you. Were there any people when you were young and you were doing lots of street theatre and you moved to Barcelona, were there people along the way that you learned a lot from that were really significant or any, or any great teachers that you may have had? Yeah, there were. I mean, I learned from other performers I met on the street. And when at one point, by the time I got to Barcelona, um, there were about 18 of us travelling together initially as we thought we'd formed this sort of super group. We went to a, basically, we started off going to a travelling theatre festival in Spain, just outside Barcelona. And there were lots of different companies that had come from all over Europe, people from Berlin, people from the UK, people from France, people from Spain. And we all got together and... No audience arrived, so we had a week right. in a in a field. So you called it a week long intensive workshop in the middle of a housing yeah. estate <laughs> just outside Barcelona, and um, basically we all did shows for each other, and then all decided that we liked it so much, we all sort of headed off on the road together with about. Jack's eight. phone there, just coming in at a timely moment. Absolutely. <laughs> 
and and we sort of yeah so we all sort of linked up for a bit and then decided it was completely unworkable with 18 people on the road together and we were all traveling in buses together as well so we needed to make enough money to pay for diesel and things like that so we all separated off into different groups and and um so some of us linked up with various other companies and made new companies so, so I you learned, learned from your peers, essentially, then? and it was learned from peers organic. there, and then in Barcelona, eventually I did uh, an intensive Philip Gaulier clown course, uh, and I hated it so much I asked for my money back. Right. <laughs> he refused. Um, basically, we were working in a cabaret every night until sort of three o'clock in the morning doing a sort of clown piece based on tramps living in a bin, and and every day we would go there and he would do these courses and training to get rid of doing a personality and doing a character and have to find your inner person that could come out as the clown. And so he would be constantly saying, you can't do a little personage, you can't do this and this. But we were doing that every night until three in the morning and then getting there at eight in the morning to uh. do workshops with him and we just it did our head in. Yeah. And it was um, all in French translated into Spanish, so... When we asked for our money back, he then said, for you, I'll do it in English. <laughs> and then ridiculed us and persecuted us for the rest of the wow. course. So, oh yeah, I've got an aversion to clown workshops. Wow. But that never put you off, obviously, wanting to, to keep going. No, not at all. No, not at all. So Pers- how did you end up back in, back in the UK? I came back to have a baby uh, in 1987. <coughs> So a long, long, long time ago. And then when I was here, I started working with various people I'd worked with in Spain. And then we were doing more street shows and going to Bath and places like that and working there. Um, And I joined a circus, which was owned by Holly Stoppett's dad, John Paul. And if any of you know Holly Stoppett, she's a very good clown based in Bristol. Does lots and lots of workshops and training. And her brother Jack's got a company called Ramshacklicious and he's an amazing clown. And his brother Billy, he's a clown who used to work for us in Pickled Image. And so the whole family, there's seven children and six of them are in the arts. And um, so I travelled around with this small family circus doing shows with various people from Nofit State and from other companies. Yeah. And so we carried on doing that. So just that's all I've ever done. I've yeah, never, yeah. never had to... Yeah. Well, that's great. Proper job. I mean, that's amazing and inspirational. I'm sure for anyone for anyone listening for everyone listening. Um, Adam, I just wanted to ask you about Adventure Bureau uh, because you mentioned your, your young son there, and we had lots of talk about about children there in that little uh, piece with Dick. What is Adventure Bureau? I've seen the trailer, and it seems like it suits your style of performance perfectly. It is Adventure Bureau, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. I was kind of waiting for a no, 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 no. It's right. affirmation that I got correct. <laughs> no, yeah, the Adventure Bureau. Is... Have I written down something completely? No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, the Adventure Bureau. Um, so that was a company set up by Katie Storer and Simon Panrecker, uh-huh. um, who are great uh, uh, clowns and improvisers. Um, and they do um, stay, a stage show, which is improvised storytelling. Um, and I met them properly through doing a Holly Stop It fooling workshop, right? Actually, um, and I developed. I did a. Um, uh, uh, I ran a, a storytelling project because I wanted to learn about storytelling. Um, so there was a, a, I got a group of artists to explore that, and that, the outcome of that was I sort of mixed it with my clowning stuff, the fooling stuff, the improvised stuff. And the storytelling stuff to do improvised story walks, which is where um, I've done it at a bunch at li- of libraries, um, where we start in the library with a group of kids and we create a brand new story using different locations of the local town as um, inspiration for the for the the new adventure that that um, that, uh, that we make all together. And is it, uh, is it what's the unique challenge about working performing for young younger audiences? And either of you can can answer this question however however you want. You've both done quite a lot of it, as I, mean, I understand. Keeping their attention is probably the hardest thing, really, yeah. and making sure that they're enjoying it. Yeah. You know, because if, if you lose them, you lose them. How do you get them back if you do lose yeah, them? Yeah, that's the... Well, oh. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the object is not to lose them in the yeah, first place yeah. and keep, yeah. keep them going. Does that come down to um, trial and error, having done something many, many times and getting good at it, or is it is it more of a feel? I mean, I'm giving you 
only two options there. I'm sure there must be another one, but uh, <laughs> magic. Yeah, magic. Magic, magic helps. Magic, magic yeah. helps. Sweets. <laughs> <laughs> Bribery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works very yeah, well. Yeah. No, I think you get an instinct of how to how to hold them, and also yeah, yeah trial and error. It's, yeah, yeah. Once you've lost, if you know you've lost them, that's yeah. Because I find it terrifying. I perform for kids, and I find it terrifyingly, oh, really intimidating. Because they, they've got this sort of mob mentality, haven't they, the kids? And yeah. once one of them decides to just start screaming, they don't then hold they back. all join in, especially yeah. if it's windy. What is it about <laughs> the wind that motivates children to turn to anarchists? <laughs> Mummy, can I go now? <laughs> that's, what I, that's, <laughs> like, that's, that's like, that's like you get things like that. Yeah, quite yeah. 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 great. I, okay, well, um, look, we'd love to talk more. Maybe we'll talk more about this in our second half, but we've got to take a little bit of a break now. So we'll be right back with Adam Blake and Dick Downey after this message. Thank you for listening to Bristol Prologue. We're happy to share with you some upcoming events happening around Bristol and the South West. Kelvin Players' new show, The Effect by Lucy Preble, is on next week from the 9th to the 13th of October. A modern drama exploring love, drugs and depression. More information on kelvinplayers.co.uk Closer Each Day Company are offering improvisation workshops with internationally renowned improviser, performer and teacher Patty Styles. The workshops will be on Saturday the 13th of October for genre and gender, Saturday the 20th of October for creative impulse and narrative intuition. More information can be found at closereachday.co.uk <laughs> Uh, hello, welcome back to Bristol Prologue. We're joined by Adam Blake and Dick Downey. And uh, in the first part, we were talking all about some really interesting experiences, buying cars from bank robbers and uh, all kinds of wacky tales um, and clowning. And, and in this part, I'd like to explore puppetry. And then I guess we'll get to the curious thing of how they became combined uh, to, in, in the work of Pickled Image. Um, but Dick, I know you now as someone who makes really amazing puppets and indeed you make some puppets for some upcoming shows that I'm involved with, which is amazing. How did you get into puppetry? I That's a very broad question. It is a very broad question. <laughs> it started off because I was working... Well, no, as a kid I always played with things. I always played with plasticine and blue tack. I love blue tack, it's great stuff. And I'd made little figures and heads and weird stuff all the way through and I also made lots of airfix kits and all stuff like that. But my favourite was my Action Man, which right, I yeah. loved to death. And it fell apart a lot because I'd leave it for days in tanks of water and it would rot the elastic. So my dad would have to repair it. So I'd watch him repairing it. So I learned how to sort of make a rudimentary Action Man-style ball and socket puppet from a very early age. And then later on, I was working with a theatre company in Scotland called The Clown Jewels, and they needed a lot of props and puppets made for a show we were involved in. And I knew uh, Green Ginger, who were a puppet company, because they'd been touring in the same family circus that Holly Stoppett's dad was running. Uh, so I knew them, so I phoned them, and they gave me a crash course down the phone on how to make latex heads <laughs> and things like that. And then I just learnt and experimented and played around. And when I was with the Desperate Men, who were a Bristol Theatre Street Theatre company, I was with them for a number of years, so I carried on making props with them and eventually I was poached away by Green Ginger who'd seen me in Bristol and I got to know them better yeah. and they I went to work with them for seven years and with that I was making puppets with Chris Beery and Terry Wright and and I just carried on doing it and I like I like the balance of making and performing mm. so I've got a really it's a nice situation I'm in where I can make and uh, if it gets too repetitive I've always got this sort of counterbalance of performing. And there's obviously such a great joy in, in performing with puppets. I've done it myself. What, what for you is the biggest difference and the biggest thing that makes, you know, using puppetry in a show I don't know. I just, what it is? I like it and I think it's one of the few things I can do well. <laughs> don't say it's so sure. <laughs> but it's you know I've got I've I've just have a, I've got an affinity to puppets. I right. really like working with them, and I also like the way that it completely transfixes people. Uh-huh. It's it's sort of there's a magical quality about it, not in a sort of like twee magic because uh-huh. the type of puppetry I enjoy isn't sort of sweet and nice. Yeah, but I think it's something about just suspending your disbelief, and if it's done well, you're willing to sort of believe and give life to what you're watching yeah and and i think it's just a great medium um, I, I, I will come to you in a minute adam but i'm, I'm just not got train of thought Sorry, here cool this is um just something that i'm just occurring to me is there something about 
performing with puppetry that enables you as the performer to... Um, because I think if you do a lot of comedy, as I do, you know, the feeling is about really selfishly and kind of a narcissistic thing about look at me, laugh mm. at me, it's me. Whereas when you do puppetry, you know, you're, you're asking the audience to give their focus to not you, to something yeah. that you are manipulating. Yeah. How, yeah. so where, you know, the, the buzz is a different one, I guess, from, you know, yeah, even I, from, from street theatre and clowning and, and juggling, where it, it's very much about you. And then with puppetry, it's a, it's a whole different discipline and psychologically a whole different feeling. It is. I think the, the pleasure in it is actually sort of bringing this inanimate object to life and making it work. If you, mm. if it's, if you don't make it work, the people aren't going to believe in it and then it's not going to be a successful show. So I think it's a skill that you can keep perfecting and honing and training to get it to the point that you can really captivate people. And it's, there sort of seems to be a couple of different sort of types of puppeteers. There's those that are really shy and retiring and they can only express themselves through the medium of puppetry. Right. And you don't see them and they, they won't engage with you afterwards. Or You know, they, they really just do want to use the puppets to sort of bring it to life. Yeah. And, and, and then there's megalomaniacs <laughs> who want to control everything and then they, you know, they, they build it, make it, light it, design it, tour it. <laughs> I, I'm probably of uh, yes. One so, of those two. Adam, which category do you fall into? What was it that drew you to puppetry? Sort of the ability to be shy and retiring, or <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, similar in with Dick of like playing with toys and mm. uh, making them move in funny ways and things, and uh, then like making. I remember like uh, at uni while drunk. Uh, I didn't think of it as puppeteering, but puppeteering like a sock monkey yeah. and then having a relationship with the sock monkey and like kissing it like really Is slow. This just on your own in your just room? Still, just by myself. And then I film it and send it to girls so they wouldn't... <laughs> they wouldn't <laughs> no, I didn't do it like, with my friends, like freaking them out. Um, it's about, like, so the first... Uh, the very first puppetry thing I ever did was with Pickled Image and um, is that how you guys met then literally just through yeah, that? yeah. yeah we, it's through an audition we were auditioning yeah. for the Shop of Little Horrors yeah, yeah. yeah and Adam was the first person who came through the door and also right. he was like his picture was on the top of the, the pile of well, I think we were seeing 12 people yeah and we looked at this photograph and went, that guy looks like an idiot. Look at him, he looks <laughs> ridiculous. And he came in wearing exactly the same jumper in his photo. And, yeah, and, good, good, uh, good day. That's a good yeah, tip for an interesting actor. And, and he was brilliant. And he just Be named, like your photo. Yeah, and he was <laughs> so funny. And then we had to get sit through another 11 people knowing that we wanted Adam. And then <laughs> we, we got the phone up and said, you've got the job. And he went, oh, I don't know, I've got two other things I'm really interested. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. No, I, I remember I'm... having a conversation with you at that time. <laughs> I just had to, yeah, that, I had but... to uh, negotiate leaving some of the projects, I think. Oh. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, let's not get into that. Uh, <laughs> so, Adam, what, what, what was your initial reaction of, of, oh, my God, I've got to do this show and there's loads of puppetry is it really just playing with with toys? Well, so so that that was my I think that that's why, but my approach to puppetry it still is kind of is like um, is through clowning really it's it's through playing and just seeing the puppet as another thing to play with. Yeah, and if you're engaged with the a playful activity, if you're playing a game of making the making a puppet look alive, then. Uh, then the audience will believe that as well. It's similar to what, what what Dick was saying. So that show wasn't. I wasn't just a puppeteer. I was. Um, it was my face. Mm. My my face. Um, like acting. <laughs> I'm doing uh, bunny ears. Acting. Um, <laughs> I believe uh, inverted commas. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's, not, it's not necessarily it's, a, a, a it's, bunny. Is what I meant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so it was like a, a mix. So my yeah. character. So I, I, I could. So it was like doing. Um, am I allowed to swear? Can I? No. Yeah. Uh, bad puppetry. Yeah. Right. Okay. But but in a fun way. In inverted commas. In shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 Crap. Crap puppetry. <laughs> not not as harsh as shit. Crap. Okay. Crap yeah. puppetry as the character. Deliberately. So, Deliberately, yeah. but then also being able to slip into it being suddenly. Like good, quite good, and that being able to play with those levels, which in the show was a bit creepy. Mm. Um, 
and that was that's my interest in puppetry is being able to use it. And we've actually developed because in in Coolophobia, there's sort of mixing clown and puppetry and those boundaries of playing with making a thing alive. And we've developed a bit over the years, a little bit. We call it cuppetry. Right. Uh, mix, yeah. Literally mixing clown and puppetry yeah, and yeah. how, you know... Registered trademark. Registered trademark. Right. Cuppetry. Well, I mean, that's kind of beautifully sums it up, really, because I think that's what that's what you, is unique about Pickled Image is they are, is a, a, a hybrid of those two things. Um uh, Dick, with with puppetry, you're obviously a very experienced performer now. What are the biggest challenges involved with puppetry? You know, from anything from big, huge technical puppets that require a lot of strength and balance to, you know, detail. What are the kind of things that even now are still this could be this could be tough? You know, I think for me, my biggest thing is making puppets because I do I have to make puppets and making them for myself. I really enjoy, but also pickled image we make puppets for other companies and things mm. like that and i find the challenge is sort of trying to second guess what other people expect or want or what they require so it has mm. to be so when you're making a puppet you really need to sort of know what you want and i spend a lot of money on osteopathy because when i made earlier puppets i didn't really have a clue what i was doing so my posture is absolutely screwed right, right. Uh, from lugging around a really huge wolf for years at festivals and uh, he had his own show for 4 years um, i think the cha- basically the challenge with puppetry is doing it well yeah and making it appear alive enough for the audience to invest in it if if you, if it's just dolly waggling then the audience quickly bored and it's just keeping their interest. Yeah, yeah. And what about for you, Adam? Because how much restraining of your instincts, your clowning and instincts, do you have to do when you're when you're just puppeteering? Perhaps when the clowning element is reeled in a little bit. Well, I think some of the thing, one of the things I think about a lot in terms of when doing puppetry, and if it's as part of a story or what have you, is. Uh, and I and I come alive with it more with a with a live audience, because you have to show the audience the puppet mm. what it can do, and show the audience what that puppet's character is doing in the in the context of the story, and that helps a lot. Which is sort of a similar thing. It's sort of linked to to climbing a bit. Is that you're with the audience basically? Mm. It's about connecting with with the audience. So. Mm. So if you if you've got got a puppet here, if you're doing it just to yourself and or whatever, or or or, um, or uh, not not caring about it, then I know that the audience won't, and the audience. So it's a nice thing to sort of yeah show the audience. Mm. What would the there be a doing. would there be a style of puppetry that you'd be interested in where you as the puppeteer are not really visible, are not a performer? You know, you are you are purely operating this this puppet. Me personally, mm, yeah. I'm not. Uh, not personally uh, hugely drawn to that. Yeah, I have always thought like I've I want whenever I think about all the different types of theatre that I'm interested in and different types of theatre that I'd like to make, I've always thought that I would love to do that as a thing, um, to to try it and see see what it's like to really invest in in mm. that. But um, but I do enjoy the mix. Yeah, I, I, I like the mix and like when we I covered. I did a, a, another pickled image show. Just I, I was rehearsed in. Yeah, fireside tales with granddad. Yeah, which we did at the wardrobe earlier uh, early this year, and I was um, the shadows from the woods. But I was wearing a veil, a, a veil, um, uh, and, and com- completely covered up. But even then, we ended up sort of adding a little bit where I was able to be a bit more, right. like have a bit more of a character. So yeah, it, it yeah. felt and part of that was because we had such a tight rehearsal schedule that if I screwed something up. Granddad could say, "Oi, shadow of the woods, <laughs> you're doing it wrong." And then I'd come on, like still covered up, but like fumble about. It is. I've, I mean, I have done shows completely blacked out, and you're lit out. So the, just the tabletop is lit, and the puppets are lit, and the performers completely invisible. Mm. And it, it's just a different style. Yeah. Of, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's, 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 it's all about the whole thing of puppetry is about focus. So yeah, if you yeah. got. It's your focus on the puppet, and it's the audience's focus on the puppet. So, if the audience are focused on the puppeteer, something's definitely wrong. So, it's just about focus and breath and keeping this puppet alive. Yeah, yeah. And whether you're visible or not, you've still got the same principles and disciplines that 
who's taking the focus. And you can take the focus even if you're completely veiled up and, and mm. you know, yeah. unlit. If yeah. you're not doing it right, then automatically the eye is drawn to what's not working. Yeah, of course. So um, you mentioned earlier, I think, about a sort of darkness or a dark side to the to the puppetry and clowning that you're drawn to, which I think leads nicely into Pickled Image itself. I, I remember seeing Shop of Little Horrors and thinking that had a real kind of grotesque, sort of nasty side to it. So where does that come from? What 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 inspires those ideas? I just shows? think there's enough nice stuff out there, yeah. <laughs> and everybody, you know, we've all got a dark side. Whether we suppress it or embrace it, it doesn't really matter. But, you know, everybody's drawn to something that's more... a bit of twisted interest, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, really. And when you make puppets on commission, are you doing that for them as well? That is, or do you fulfil other briefs as I well? try to do what they want, but, <laughs> you know... <laughs> but they've come to you for a they've reason. They've come to well. me for a reason, yeah, yes. Yeah. And But I think, you know, I was I was really drawn to stop-motion animation and things like that when I was mm. a teenager and, and all of the sort of Eastern European stuff was always slightly sombre and, and lit really darkly and things like that. And I don't know, just like the macabre. Yeah, yeah. Same box for you, Adam? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's just puppetry is an, yeah, just another medium that you can explore, like uh, the dark side of self, but also your know, black comedy and things like yeah. that, like um, whatever it is. And what's what's fun about it is puppets can do stuff that that you can't in any other ways. You can yeah, yeah. you can rip your face off as a puppet. Yeah. You can saw your legs off, but then become a ghost and whatever. There's no, there's lots of other you know grotesque stuff that you can do. Is there an inherent um, kind of black comedy dark side to clowning in general? No. Is there something intrinsic about it? <laughs> no, no. I, I don't think so. <laughs> the simple answer is no. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, clowning is is more about is about playing, uh, but that you can play with everything and yeah. anything. Yeah. Sometimes um, you can like. Sometimes some of the things that you might talk about when you're doing clowning is like like a child would do it because they're really good at playing. But a clown teacher um, once said to me, I think it was Jerry Flanagan, said that kids aren't actually very good at playing. And obviously they are very good, but in terms of um, a theatrical context, there's loads of different layers that you can play with something. So you can you can play the game, but then you can also play playing the game and wobbling it about yeah. and that can apply to um dark stuff as well as the lighter stuff yeah yeah i think part of the problem at the moment is with clowning is this getting this reputation as being creepy and weird and you know oh, yeah. sinister clowns is just yeah. because of That's stephen, stephen king, king. Yeah. Yeah. stephen king yeah. isn't it I mean, it's about time we talked about yeah him, every, it's about just time. the number of people we meet who go oh no i really hate clowns yeah. Oh, yeah. my really. sister yeah. yeah and it's like it's Terrifying. and i know it's probably existed Forever, people in makeup, some people have an aversion to them and find it creepy and weird. And weird, but now it's yeah. just got to the point where everybody automatically thinks clowns are creepy. Because well, it's yeah. a semantics seen... thing as well, isn't it? Because yeah. if I was to think clown, I, you know, obviously there's the circus kind of style clown with the makeup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but also someone like Norman Wisdom, you know, yeah. was, it was an amazing yeah. clown actor. You know, his yeah. style was about being a fool, basically. Yeah. Alan Partridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bottom yeah. and yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, everything that Rick Mayer did. Yeah. Young ones, young ones. It's all, yeah. I think the same. But I think it's just, yeah. I think it's, but there's, it's quite um, not amusing. But there's all of the kids' party clowns out there who are, yeah, putting petitions and suffering really badly because they're not getting enough work. <laughs> because yeah, of, yeah. Okay. that's a great employment crisis there. Um, well, Jack, I think that's an aesthetic thing, though. Yeah, yes, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Jack, have you got any questions? Um, I suppose I would be interested in. Knowing if people want to get into puppetry and clowning, very good. Where question. where should they go? Where are the first places to look in Bristol? Ooh. Puppet place. Puppet place. Yeah, puppet place is a charity organisation based down um, next door to Spike Island, and it's a building that is contains about four or five different puppet companies plus theatre designers and filmmakers and a whole collective of different organisations under one umbrella of Puppet Place and Puppet Place runs workshops. They've got a website. They've got uh, lots of different information of what you can do. 
We had an open day the other day for the Open Doors Day where we had 1,700 people come over the weekend to look at the building and all the puppets and everything in there. Um, And they regularly host different things. So you can do puppet making with Emma Powell, you can do directing puppets with Emma Williams. Um, There's lots of different workshops and stuff like that. Right. Puppet place is the place to go for puppets. And then clowning? (laughs) there's lots of um, people who run clown workshops and lots of companies that do that. Um, in Bristol, I, th- I think the, the the one that comes to mind is Holly Stop It. She runs a lot of um, like clowning workshops um, from intro to it, to the form, to performance. Um, and she's great as... A, um, she's a great facilitator. Uh, there's, there's lots of... There are lots of clown workshops going on constantly but not necessarily in Bristol you have to search them out like yeah. Spy Monkey who are a really yeah, amazing Monkey. company based in London and Brighton ITOR uh, is a, does amazing workshops like week long or two weeks and yeah. he does them all over the world now because they're so popular they're, and so they're just about to do a big like a huge I really wanted to do it but we're doing Colophobia <laughs> at the wardrobe in the middle of the week they're doing a three week intensive one which covers like the the form, but also like dipping into producing a show and stuff like that. So yeah. quite that. Right. Yeah, and they I do music do. as well. They do oh. music and oh, planning oh, workshops. Cool. And we will endeavour to include all uh, links to, to oh, everything you mentioned. Um, but uh, you can also email us or, or get in touch with Adam or Dick via the, the social media things. Um, okay, listener. Now it's time for the moment you've really been waiting for. It's the quick fire question round. We haven't composed a, ding- a jingle yet. Do you a guys do you want to have a quick uh, jingle composition? Yes. Jack can do us a little, uh, little bit okay. of a bass line. What's it called again? The quick fire question round. Yeah. The quick fire question round. What's the question? Don't know yet. Quick fire question round. It's going to happen very fast. That's great. We'll use that. Okay, so... Hey, I joined in once. Dick, Dick did the harmony. <laughs> yeah. So, Dick, yes. uh, the rules are, you know, you've got to choose one. Okay. There's, there's no either or, n- or none. Okay. So, uh, so, Dick's was, having the first question. Dick's doing it. I, I faced that because I was thinking immediately about what next. just happened. Um, so, Dick, <laughs> yeah. uh, fire eating or juggling? Fire eating. Adam, cats or dogs? Cats. Dick, the theatre or the cinema? Dogs. <laughs> Did I say Dick or Adam? Yeah. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted that question. Uh, Theatre or the cinema? Uh, cinema. Uh, Adam, the pub or the restaurant? Does the pub serve food? <laughs> the pub or the restaurant? <laughs> food, pub. <laughs> uh, Dick, okay then, um, rabbits or guinea pigs? Guinea pigs. Adam, uh, long walk with a cosy... Pub at the end of it, yes. <laughs> or round us in the park with loads of friends. Uh, the long walk with pub at the end. Oh, okay. Okay, Dick. Long train journey or long car journey? Long car journey. Really? Yeah, me driving. He loves driving. Oh, I see. I see. We, 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 yeah, we Nobody's allowed to drive. Yeah. We want. Yeah. Adam, no, um, not, a digital not. e-reader um, or paperboard actual book made of paper. Paperboard book. Even though you, you know, it takes up so much space. I mean, I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I like smelling books. Mm. CD or vinyl, Dick? CD. CD. Oh no, uh, actually vinyl. I've just got record player, so vinyl. Vinyl. <laughs> and um, last but not least, Adam, uh, microwaveable meal, ready, nice and quick, no washing up, or four-hour slog in the kitchen, but with an amazing result at the end of it. Oh, four-hour slog. Okay. Yeah, decisive. Any quick-fire questions, Jack? No. Sitting there grinning at yeah, my ability I... to conjure up pointless <laughs> questions. Oh, that's good. You didn't. Yeah, was good. There's nothing written down, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it all came out of his head. It was all yeah. and his eye mouth. contact yeah. constantly. Yeah. Very intimidating presence, aren't I, from the other side of the room? Okay, well, uh, we'll be back in part three where we're going to talk about chorophobia and uh, what might be coming up for our two wonderful guests. So we'll be back uh, after this short break. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this latest episode of Bristol Prologue. You can find all of our previous episodes and information about upcoming shows via our website, bristolprologue.com. Welcome back, listener. I hope you enjoyed that little break. Now, we will, we are going to get on to talk about Chorophobia, the upcoming show from uh, Pickled Image. But I understand there's a 
hilarious anecdote uh, involving a car journey to Norway. And I think I'd just like to hear it. Uh, yes, we, once we were, uh, it was when we were doing Shop of Little Horrors and we were, uh, the set for that is so big we had to drive it to Norway. Dick had to drive it to Norway. From Bristol? From Bristol. Uh, and on the day that it, we were leaving, I was at a wedding which I had to leave. So I was really, really drunk. And then Dick picked me up. And then when I came to leave the house, the car, the van wouldn't start and we had to get the AA out and they said that the starter motor was knackered. Right. So we bump-started it down the hill and then we drove flat out to Harwich to try and get there in time to catch the ferry to mm. Holland. The, we were losing power because something was going weird with the engine as well mm. and we just got there just in time yeah. and then we had to bump start it in the morning off the ferry. The big ferry there there. was never an option of a different vehicle. I no, think. no. no. It, was, it had all the set in and we had to get there then. on time right. otherwise the show wouldn't happen. And then right. we <laughs> took the petrol cap off and then drove it through Holland, Germany and Denmark filling up without turning the engine off. Ten, right. ten hours straight driving. Yeah. Did you sobered up by, by I Denmark? Sober up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Just yeah. about. And then yeah. in Denmark we decided we'd park it on a hill so we could bump start in the morning. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever been to Denmark, but uh, there's no hills. Right. <laughs> there is absolutely no hills. Dead flat. So then we had to get it towed in the morning and then we had to get it pushed onto the ferry and then we had to get it pushed off the ferry wow. in Norway and then we had to drive up through Norway and then somebody, my friend Seb from America who was visiting in Bristol, bought us a starter motor which he then posted <laughs> to Norway and then it didn't, uh, we didn't we arrive until the last minute because customs refused to oh, release customs. it and then oh, where was that? oh it was it hilarious it was very funny and yeah. the show was a great success the show, the show was, was a massive success the, the such a great journey success. was was worth we were the reward. huge it in was. norway and then, i don't think <laughs> dick was on edge for yeah. like yeah. the whole time <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was um <laughs> Wired because he yeah. didn't fancy doing that journey on the way back. No, I guess no, trying no, to find no. a hill in Denmark. Anyway, yeah, exactly. A hill in Denmark that could be a chapter in the autobiography. It could. Assume it's a hill in Denmark. And sadly, yeah. the transit van is trashed now. It's dead. It's oh, dead. That makes me feel very dead. sad. But the Corophobia set is safely in Bristol. Corophobia yeah. set is in five large flight cases right. at Puppet Place, ready to be driven over to the wardrobe, the wardrobe. theatre, where you open next week. Next Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Next Tuesday. The so, 9th of October till the 13th of October. Great. So f- however many chances that is to see the show. So tell us all about Corophobia. What, what can we expect when we see it next week? I'm definitely going to be coming along, and Jack's probably going to sit on my lap in the audience. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> For- as long as you're not blocking the view of the people behind you, Jack. I mean, really. So I mean, he won't be sitting on my lap, obviously. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so tip, you lie. Audience tip. Yes, I lie. You look, Willingly. What a lie. Freely. So tell us about Corophobia then. What, 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 what's it all about? It's about two clowns trapped in a cardboard world. And it consists of uh, two clowns and a set completely comprised of cardboard. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's about um, it, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you've done the show, as you said, quite a, quite a few times over several years. Yeah, we've been so doing it for it four now years in its, in its now. life. Is it highly evolved? Is it completely different from how it used to be? Yeah, it's different because we it was however long it was when we first made it, and then as we played with it, there's, we sort of improvised bits. If it comes up, it got too long. So every now and then we cut a scene. And then it gets longer again. So we've done that quite a few times and sort of... I think that's one of the reasons why we like doing it, the show so much, is because we're constantly approaching it. We've got rid of the differently. excess faff and the bits we never really were comfortable with we in the first like. place. Mm. Didn't really like them. And then we've now got it to a point where we really love the show. Yeah. And I think it's just like a well-oiled machine now. What are the sort of yeah. central yeah. Theme, yeah. themes yeah. of it then? Uh, what's the take home experience? Oh, so, like, so we were talking before about how like the aesthetic of the clown is like what is is repulsive to people. Uh, and it's funny because whenever I talk about clowning, I always say actually a lot of clowning in theatre, you don't wear the mask, uh, the, the nose and the makeup and stuff. So this kind of plays with the idea of that 
thing that people are scared of clowns a little bit. Chorophobia means clownphobia. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's in the title then. It is. It's in the title <laughs> if you know what that means. Um, uh, so we play around with, with that, but then actually it's just a stupid, it's a stupid show. It's a stupid show. <laughs> and what's the significance of the cardboard world? I originally I I thought that we would be able to just <laughs> travel know. with a suitcase oh, yeah. full of costumes and, oh, yeah. and one puppet and we would arrive at a theatre anywhere in the world and we would have asked them for a load of cardboard boxes first. So we'd arrive there and we would just assemble an amazing set out of cardboard boxes and put together props and everything. And, it would just be, and we, no. like, we'd arrive a no, day no. before. No. No, no. We've got no. five massive five flight boxes. cases that all fit into a, <laughs> fill up a whole transit van. Boxes now within boxes within boxes. <laughs> yeah. And it is like Russian dolls made of cardboard boxes. And yeah. yeah. And it's, it takes a long time to put it all yeah. back. So yeah. it's quite a detailed, rich sort of, set that you it's, have it's quite a yeah it's quite a it's big gorgeous yeah, yeah it's lovely it's quite a big set as well we're actually having uh because the wardrobe is a smaller space than we used to performing it we're having an extra day to try and work out how we're gonna yeah, fit yeah. it in squeeze it in it's more like what are we going to do with things once we've used them because normally we just throw them in the wings or to oh, the back yeah. of the stage and we don't have either of those so it's gonna be interesting yeah so where do those That's design fun. concepts come from then uh, myself and yeah, Emma had, Powell, who yeah. helped build all the sort of intricate, beautiful props. She's there's some there's some really lovely things in it. Although everything's made of cardboard, it's there's some really beautiful pieces of, I suppose, it's sculpture. Prop, prop yeah, yeah, prop yeah. making sculpture, yeah. And um, and we had a, a fantastic costume maker, a woman called Linda Anvel from outside Amsterdam who used to work with a company called The Lunatics, who are quite a really well-known European street clown company. And she made some exquisite yeah. industrial clown costumes. Uh, the music's by Simon Preston, who's a Bristol uh, composer, who's done music for about four or five Pickled Image shows and two Green Ginger shows. And he's just stunning. Uh, and not him personally, just the music. <laughs> And uh, it was directed by John Nicholson, who runs People Like Us or Pipolicus, who are a Bristol-based uh, theatre company of clowns, really, predominantly. And yeah, so we used lots of local people to help us make the show, and then and subsequently we've been to, we made it in Norway in, on the Lofoten Islands, mm. right up above the Arctic Circle in 2014. And then subsequently we've we've performed it in I think about ten international puppet festivals. And, and there aren't many opportunities left to see Chorophobia? Not, is not this, this year. Final, no, no, no. This, this year? No, this year, no, it's going to keep going. Good. We've yeah. got one more gig on the 10th of November in Malvern right. oh, yeah. at the Feast Festival. And then next year we're going to be at the Bose Wolf Festival. In so it's, it's carrying on into the into Belgium yeah. team. Whenever, whenever, we've done this for so long that we... We can just do it now. So yeah, we, we, yeah. whenever the, the bookings come in, we yeah. just yeah, and we're not. It's not being pushed we'll it. massively hard because Adam has got Open Attic, his own company. Yeah, uh, Chris Colley, who's our light and sound guy, he's got he runs the wardrobes. So he works for got, me. He yeah. works for you. So he's got <laughs> you know. So we just we just <laughs> we're not doing massively extensive tours. Yeah, you know, because there's children and families involved. Of course, and like that. But, but so if, if the opportunity right opportunity comes up, you, you guys can do it. So yeah. Uh, no spoilers here, but what's the kind of story of the of the play, the relationship between the two characters? The, it's set up like... Or multiple characters. I mean, I'm in the dark. I don't oh, know yeah. how many it, you've got. It's, it's, it's set up like, um, like a sort of crap family circus thing that's run by this voice. Uh, and then and, and the sort of idea, I guess, hopefully this is okay to say, is, is that we're, it's like we're trapped in the show and all we want to do is leave, but we we can't. Right. And that's like that's kind of the the vague concept, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but there's some audience participation. There's some. There's some. No, nothing one, to be frightened. Not terrifying levels. Nothing of, to be frightened. Right, okay. In fact, yeah. audience members are given really delicious cocktails. Oh, dark and stormy. This, this is true. Rum and ginger beer with a slice of lime yeah. and cocktail umbrellas and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And well, you can hop off my lap then, Jack, at some point and. Go down and get a cocktail. You can participate. 
I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> it's not. It's not a frightening. Sh- although, <laughs> although it's claurophobia, clownphobia, it's not a frightening show in the right. sense that we're not intimidating. We don't do any sort of persecuting. It's just. Nope. It's a. It's a gentle. Yeah. Dark comedy. Yeah. yeah. Nobody it, comes away feeling that they wish they hadn't gone. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what Put that the, on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> we promise. <laughs> One of the things people have said You is, won't leave wishing you'd never bothered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Adam, I can't. That's right. Um, one of the things people have said is even though we, we, we get audience members up, the, the uh, we, we never take. Like, the, the, the joke is never on them. It's exactly. always on us. Yeah, it's, it's always safe, on us. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And we've had yeah. a lot of people saying, oh, I wish you'd pick me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a rare school. thing. Well, it sounds like a real delightful, fun hour or so. Um, it's it's one of the, longer than the hour. Or hour and a bit. Uh, it's on a, so it's on at the wardrobe next week. Uh, so from Tuesday to Saturday. Tuesday the yeah. 9th till Saturday the 13th then, with a matinee on the Saturday. And where do we get our tickets from? You can get it from tickets at the thetobaccofactorytheatres.com Excellent. You can buy them from the wardrobe box office. Brilliant. Which is, the wardrobe is in Old Market. Yeah, yeah. The Old Market we'll, we'll assemblies. Link, link available in the description. And uh, I don't know where else you can get it. And then you're at and then offers. In, in Malvern. Offers for twice the price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're in, in Malvern, Malvern. Malvern Feast Festival on the 10th of November. Great. Okay. Well, that's Chorophobia coming up very, very soon and reason, reasons to be excited there. What is coming up after that for, for you guys? What's in the pipeline? Um, well, Pickled Image has Yana and the Yeti, which is a family show, which is performed by Vicky Andrews, who's the other company director. And that's touring, it's in Norway at the moment, and then it's doing quite a big regional tour, not regional, national tour around the UK. Great. Uh, all through the autumn, so look for that on our website. And then uh, we've just got some Arts Council funding to build a new Grandad show, which is Woodland Tales with Grandad, which is going to be nice. Exciting. I'm making puppets for that right at the moment. Mm. And then next year, it's all a bit, bit unknown because I'm sort of heading off to be sort of more freelance and to right. uh, probably shelf stacking it as the... <laughs> so we'll get you back into <laughs> data. My first ever data, real job. Data, That's data, what I'm going to do. Data entry? Data entry. And what about you, Adam? What have you got coming up with Open Attic and, and, and elsewhere? Yeah, uh, so the next thing after Colophobia, I'll be in the Christmas show at the wardrobe, the adult one, uh, Oedipus in Boots with uh, yourself. Yeah. And, oh yeah, uh, we've also got Granddad's Christmas Tales oh, at the yeah. wardrobe. So yeah, at the yeah. same time. So, yeah, that's at the same yeah, time. Yeah. I'll be doing that yeah, on a few, a few days as well. Some of the days. That's the family yeah. show at the wardrobe. That's the family show hey, at the wardrobe. that's great news, isn't it? It's, it's a nice. link up. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Oh. <laughs> Seamless. Seamless. So you're doing Oedipus, Adam, and then what's Open Attic? You're, you're the yeah, company which you co-founded. Yeah, yeah, Open Attic. coming up with them? Yeah, so in the new year... I can't remember the exact days, but we'll, we'll start R and D, and then we'll, we'll and we did an R and D already this year. Um, we're making a new family show called Stella and the Star Shiners, which um, which is, is a, a tongue twister. Which is a tongue twister <laughs> um, for me. Um, which was is really really lovely show, and uh, from from what we've done already, and a lovely story. Um, I ran um, a storytelling project uh, last year, that, which I mentioned before. And one of the writers on that, um, a writer called Alana Winterstein, yeah. wrote this I lovely, know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wrote a lovely story about um, the tallest ladder in the world um, on the top of the tallest mountain, where the villagers—it's the villagers' job to climb the tallest ladder and shine the stars. Um, and Stella uh, is afraid of heights. Oh, okay. um, and that's that's the sort of premise that of it. Sounds, sounds, it. Sounds really, really nice. It's really, she goes, yeah, she goes hold the bottom of the ladder. Yeah, well, at the moment, yeah, she she just sort of gives makes orange squash and gives it out to the other people. Well, that's uh, useful. Yeah. Well, you know that sounds that sounds that sounds really great. Sounds really beautiful and in line with the work that you've done before with Open Attic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Another reason to be excited. Jack, we're running out of time. Any final thoughts? Um, no, just to say that it's been really nice having you here and Thanks. like getting to know you and what you do. Yeah, we could have spent hours talking about bank robbers and hitchhiking yeah, across yeah. France and data entry and uh, biochemistry hours, literally hours. I mean I've, I've, we could do a whole separate biochemistry I'd podcast. love to hear that actually yeah yeah Some, I, link available in the description yeah. Below. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I know, um, I know quite a few biochemists who've become performing clowns. Really? <laughs> it's a trend. Vic, Vic Llewellyn is... Yeah, Vic used yeah. to be. But he was a real... He was a full-on... He was a proper biochemist. Proper, proper biochemist. <laughs> Worked on Anthrax Island. Not a half Crikey. Well, there you go. Look, there you go. See, we need a two-hour podcast to get the real meat out of uh, all of these wonderful little anecdotes. Uh, but sadly, we have to draw a line under it there. And it's my job to say thank you very much to Adam Blake and Dick Downey from Pickled Image. Thank you. It's been for coming pleasure. in. And you can catch them both in Chorophobia next week at the Wardrobe Theatre. Uh, but other than that, thank you very much for joining us, listener, and we'll see you, or indeed speak to you, out loud in the next one. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs> Bristol Prologue is produced and hosted by Jack Drury and Andrew Kingston. For all inquiries, please email bristolprologue at gmail.com. And if you'd like to feature on the podcast, please email us telling us a little bit about who you are and any projects you may have coming up. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Bristol Prologue.